It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's Sports Station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. Glad he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Crucial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. A top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter. At MGNato, Mark, good day, sir. You know, it was interesting, Jeffrey, driving in here for multiple reasons. One, the ice. Sliding in here? (laughs) No, No, it was actually very fascinating to me, fun uh, even, to see what was actually open today. So, like, Mm -hmm. the grocery store, Walgreens, seemed like... uh, Most Asian eateries (laughs) that I at least drove past. Gas stations. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh, can, like all convenience stores, like liquor whatever. stores. Uh, I saw a liquor maybe. store to open. Come on, we've already and then, we already determined back in COVID those are essential. And, and then Olive Garden was mm. open. Yeah. The important yeah. stuff. Yes. The important stuff was open. You can still get breadsticks. <laughs> <laughs> At least it looked open. The part the parking lot actually had cars in it. Uh, but I can tell you, Summer Avenue was bustling. Oh, okay. I can tell you, I can confirm. Well, hopefully everyone's uh, staying safe out there in this. Uh, are are, are man, we? Are who we, did Tannenbaum eat? Who? Mike Tannenbaum. So I got the senior day thing on. That's Tannen, so random. Well, because he's on it. And Tannenbaum, like normally, I don't know if it's good It'll, angles. This director's chair, not a good look for him. Uh, uh, the former Jets GM on yeah. ESPN now. He's a, he's a big uh, public enemy for me. Okay. Big Herbert guy. Herbert Herbert saves the world guy. Mm, interesting. But I think that's because he hates Tua. I think his is specific. Does this classify as an ice storm to you? Does it re- has it reached storm category? I say no. I have not seen that. ice incident ice episode. I'd say winter at? weather. Winter weather. Okay. Winter weather. We're not at ice storm level in your no. mind. Okay. Well, hopefully uh, everyone is. Uh, I didn't see very many trees down. Did you? I saw no. limbs. In fact, I haven't seen a tree yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Hopefully you're making it through the winter weather. We've got a great show for you to get you through eh. it, though. Yeah, come on. Good good show. Well, good show. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Sell low. Thank you. And oversell. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Uh, we've got a good show for you today. Buy, it's buy, sell, sure to go to Reddit Wednesday. It's going to be a fun one um, because it feel, you know, it is a, I don't know, is this a big night for the Grizzlies, Danny Green's debut? It certainly is a... Um, certainly being hyped. <laughs> we are certainly being told it is a big deal. Yeah. Well, it's it just. I guess it's it is something new. You know, it's like something you haven't seen before. You have not seen Danny Green play in a with Grizzlies the Grizzlies jersey. Yes. Yeah, play with the Grizzlies. So um, we'll dive into that and buy, sell, shorter. Go to Reddit. Tom Brady retired um, Dave, again. Yeah, again for good. For good. Um, Mike and the Mad Dog reunited today on yes. first take. We'll get into that in the list I next feel, hour. I would like to say, on behalf of the rest of the country, I'm very sorry that Tom Brady cucked the Mike and the Mad Dog reunion for everyone up in New York City because they were 
very butthurt about this. Mm, okay, well, this is supposed to be a special day. Yeah, a special day. Special day for doggy. Um, well, well, I mean, more for more for yeah, Mikey. It was Francesa was the. Yeah, this is his first time uh, on first Dog, take. And, Doggy's had a good run since Stephen A. brought him in. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. But uh, we'll get into that in the list. Also, National Signing Day going on. Not not too many fireworks, but a former Memphis assistant. Made a big splash. Got today. his name in the news. Yeah. Um, so we'll uh we'll get into that in the list. David Cobb's gonna join us at two forty or so uh from CBS Sports. We'll talk college basketball, tiger basketball with him. So lots and lots to get to, but let's start it off with a little buy sell short or go to Reddit. It's that time on ninety two nines Giannato and Jeffrey show where we either buy, buy sell, sell short, short or go to Reddit. All right, Jeffrey. We're starting by sell short to go to Reddit with tonight's Grizzlies game. Six o'clock tip at FedEx Forum. You can listen to it right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. They're playing the Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard is playing well lately. Um, Trailblazers right on the edge of that uh, Feels play-in like game pretty much situation. Really, they're just going to live in perpetuity. Um, yeah. For better or worse. No, they're, they're, they're a dangerous team to play, yeah. but they're probably not. You know, a real threat, a, a real threat in in any sort of uh, elite fashion, if you will. But that's obviously, I, I don't know. I, I think honestly, playing Portland is secondary to the fact that it is Danny Green's debut. At least that's what it seems like, and that's the topic or the the launching point for our first buy sell shorter go to Reddit. Jeffrey, buy sell shorter go to Reddit. There's too much anticipation for Danny Green's debut. I'll buy this. Mm. Too much. We're making a little too much of it. Yo, he's going to play like 12 minutes. Now, I this isn't one of those ones where, like, for instance, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit. I'm confused about OG Ananobi becoming some type of savior and, and some type of, like, red pill, if you will. Mm-hmm. I do at least understand the anticipation for Danny Green in the sense that this is a toy that you've had around for mm-hmm. a while and then this is going to be his debut, and he is, he, he would fill a spot that would perhaps you change need your shooting, ceiling. and that guy like it perhaps raises your ceiling. Yeah, you need shooting, and that's what he that's that's the one thing even at thirty five that I feel pretty comfortable with is that I think he will be able to hit threes. I don't know if he'll be able to move enough on defense to overcome. You know, like I think. He'll be able to hit an open three, more so than what the options they have potentially available in the spot he would fill. I think it's fair to say you have more confidence. Confidence. That's probably yeah. That's probably I mean, the best way. I don't know if you like if you just line up all the wings and sit there yeah. and go like here's an open three. I mean I don't I don't really know. He's got a much better track record than Correct. the other guys. That's for sure. Hundred percent agree with you. Um, but and, like, don't you feel like this is? I feel like that this like the anticipation for this is. Like, just as high as Jaron's debut was. Oddly. Yeah. Well, one, I think it's because when the trade was made, if you go back to draft night and you, like, polled the fan base, most people would have said back then, I think, well, this is more like they got it for Danny Green's contract. Yeah. No, you know, like, I, a lot well, of people thought this was just a contract. I don't even know if you— Just I, like all the other veterans they've got. I don't even know if you have to say poll the fan base. It seemed like that was the— the consensus, like and, expert opinion, and that was the and that was just the track record of the front office. Yeah. They would get pick up these vets in these trades, 
and just either spin them off in another trade or, you know, come to an agreement. We saw it with Iguodala. Remember Patrick Beverly was on the Grizzlies for a minute? <laughs> Who else? I forget some of the other names. Dwight Howard was a Grizzly at one point here for a set, or they had his contract. Um, well, remember, remember with Beverly, he was— Andre Iguodala, Be- obviously. Well, Iguodala, though, became complicated because I yes. think— that I was the one. That was the one. That one became. Although they still included him in a trade. Although maybe with Iguodala, maybe there was weirdly like a lesson to be learned. Where I think at first they kind of thought, well, Iguodala will show up at camp, and then we'll figure out what to do with him. Mm-hmm. And then he made it very clear, despite being a thought leader, uh, he had he was not going to have the idea of going to camp at Memphis or some mess. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind of like I like for instance, I think that directly impacted their decision with Pat Beverly, where, remember Pat Bev was like, what up, Memphis? Like, it seemed like yeah. he thought he was coming here. Yeah. And I think they realized very quickly, we do not have the same view of where you would be on our roster as you do. Yeah. And therefore, they made the decision to move on. Yeah. And then, so Green is really the first one of these guys that they've taken on and actually used since, like, Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, obviously that was Jaw's rookie year. And those guys were playing in a scenario where, like, everyone knew going into that season, these guys probably are not going to be here after the trade deadline. If they are, something's gone wrong because they were only on the roster, ultimately, to get more assets for them. Yeah, you don't want to say that those would have been put into the Tyreek category of, like, that's still the, the dumbest thing of all time. Well, Yeah, not trading. You're, you're worth the first. Really, you came up with some arbitrary line. Number thirty, pick number thirty would have been more valuable than thirty-one. Like that's mm-hmm. that was. It wouldn't have been in that category. But you're right. It would have been like, well, why? Did, why did someone get hurt? Like, I mean, I I will say, you know, at the trade deadline last year, they were you know in play-in territory. So that would have been, a, you know, it would have been an argument to to do it. But regardless, um, the point is, Danny Green is the first vet like that since them. To actually, apparently, play for the Grizzlies. Now, he's listed as questionable tonight, along with Desmond Bain, who's been upgraded to questionable. You know, it'd be, it'd be nice if we got both of them back tonight, right? I mean, obviously. Um, so, that's a, that's an interesting subplot. The, I think they were, they were supposed to practice yesterday, but I, I'm assuming it got called off because of the weather, and they were... You know, I was I I thought maybe they'd have a shoot around this morning, this but no shoot around this morning either. League just getting so soft, um, so charming soft. But I get it. You know, you, you and I got the, to work with the condition. Well, the, with the conditions, they only want them driving down once. Um, Same. You and I, I got that to makes work. Makes sense. Um, so uh, should be interesting. I am going to. <sighs> this is a tough one for me. It shouldn't be. You wrote it. Yeah. I think I'm going to buy this as well. There's too much anticipation for Danny Green's debut. There you go. Um, did, it feel nice, he, did it feel nice to finally actually admit something? <laughs> to be honest with yourself? Well, I at the same time, I'm pretty excited about it. I, I am excited to see him play but that wasn't the question. for the Grizzlies. That wasn't the statement. Well, for me, I no, I agree. I think there's a little too much. I think too much is being put on his shoulders in terms of what he's going to contribute to this team. Do I think he can help? Yeah, I think he can help. But I don't think he's going to end up being a regular member of your rotation. Well, I mean, honestly, he's a guy though, like you can turn to in a, you know, in a tough moment. 
a guy who you know in the past has has done it. Okay, but everything you're saying, I think, is applicable to pretty much anything in sports. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is, well, it depends on what the role is. Yeah, if and your I, role, is, if your role for him is, this is another option off the bench that if your wings yeah. are struggling, he can come in and give you a another look. I don't expect he's going to be ahead of Zaire in the rotation. What do you think? At tonight, least not initially. T- are you saying tonight? I, I think because if it's tonight, I think I agree. I with think you. during the regular season he won't be. I could see a scenario where Zaire bombs in game one of a playoff series, and yeah, he jumps ahead of him in the. You know what I mean? In the rotation. Well, so the question then becomes, what do they view? Where are they on Zaire? Because I actually think this is an interesting question. Rightly or wrongly, I think we kind of know where the fan base is right now. They do not have a case of the Zaires. Do not have the Zaire gene right now. I'm not saying you can't No one wants to get – not not no one. There aren't many who want to get rid of him, but I think you're right. I think there's a a – Decent chunk that say he's young. maybe sh- shelve he's young. him. You know this might be a time to yeah. shelve him for a little bit. Or, this or is this is take what, a step back. This for is a sec. what we used to do with young quarterbacks. Let's let him sit on the sideline and watch. Yeah, let's let <laughs> let's let him learn the game. And then people start doing the move I, like, hey, uh, we need to find out if this guy can play or not. Like, so I agree. I don't think everyone is. This is not a get rid of him situation, but I do think people in general right now. Do not have the Zaire gene. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of, I think the bigger question though for me is, well, what does the what does the front office think, and what does the team think? Because is this a situation like last year with Melton? Because Melton, while having a good year, there were patches where Melton wasn't good mm-hmm. last year. But he had a standard. He had like a, a normal standard, year for him. He had a very like. standard Deanthony Melton year. Mm-hmm. The highs were pretty high, and the lows were pretty low, and then he kind of, like, netted out mm-hmm. where he was. But with Zaire, what becomes interesting is, are, is he going to get the same type of treatment? Where is he, on the same, is he on the same timeline that Melton was on last year where, hey, if this playoffs doesn't end up being all that good? Nah, I think he's got, he's got at least two more years well, after I think there's several, the rookie I think there's deal. several. Well, there's several key components. Number mm-hmm. one, as you mentioned, the rookie deal. Yeah. But number two... They drafted him. And not yeah. only did they draft him. At 10. They traded up their yeah. most extreme trade up at this point, And therefore, that's the versus getting Melton in a trade. I think they want to see him in the playoffs. But I think they, they have, you'll have Danny Green in case he can't handle it or something. And that's how I think. I, I That's why I don't necessarily see Danny Green. Again, I think he's going to play some, you know, play a bunch for the Grizzlies. You know, whether it's injuries or rest, we see how the season works. You well, know, there's going to be spots for him to come in in the regular I, I season. I think there's also an element of define define play a lot. Like, are we talking appearances or are we talking, you know, at a certain point you think there's going to be games where he's getting 20-something minutes? Oh, I think the only way he's getting that type of minutes is if he's hitting shots. Like, if he's hitting shots, yeah, you can see his minutes increase because that's what this team needs. They need guys who hit shots. And that's where his place is going to be on this team. When they're not hitting shots... Okay, let's, let's we'll put Danny Green in there and let's see if he can hit some shots. Okay, so back to the the Zaire Melton comparison. To your mm-hmm. point last year, Zaire was twenty. I'm your pardon. Zaire this year is twenty one. Mm-hmm. Melton was twenty three. Yeah. So it does doesn't it feel like at the minimum Zaire still has a full another year before he's really on the all right your yeah, your playoff sure. performance. I don't is think like they a, have any I, test if you will. I think they feel like he is going to be a 
key component of this. I still think they feel he is going to eventually be a key component of this core, whatever you want to call sure. it. Um, I don't think they've backed off of that. Because whether or not this it's year a starter hasn't gone or whether or not it's a reserve, yeah. but you're, he is a part of their core, yeah. Yeah, like I think they look at him as like our perimeter Brandon Clark almost. Like he could be a starter, he could maybe not be a starter. You should trademark we, that. <laughs> perimeter Brandon Clark? Yeah. Um, here's a here's a sub by Sasha Gutter real quick. Ooh. Danny Green will hit multiple three-pointers tonight, so more than one. Uh, I'll short it. Short it? You think people are going to get too excited and think he's going to do it? And I you mean, don't? just historically, I always want to. I always want to bet against somebody making their return. Remember, mm. Jaron's worst game of the year. I feel like was yeah, the first game. That's true. In and, terms of in terms of numbers on the stat sheet. Yep, that's true. But remember the first game? Like that was the thing. We all decided number one. We wanted to see him look physically like Jaron, mm-hmm. and he did in game one. And then we all agreed we wouldn't judge him until like two weeks later on what his numbers were. And then by game two or three, you're starting to put up like normal, normal Jaron Jackson numbers. I just feel like in game one, especially when a guy hasn't played basketball in basically a year, I feel like you're better off just saying, yeah, he's not going to come out and light it up. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to. Now, for the record, it's for just, emotional reasons, I'm going to buy. Now, we're, should, getting, we're getting two Danny Green three pointers tonight. It should be noted, I'm not rushing to bet the under. I'm just saying, if I have to make a call. But I'm not going. I'm not going to bet MGM and looking for Danny Green under three pointers tonight. Okay. Um, all right. I want to uh, switch course to the the trade deadline mm. for our second buy sell short go to Reddit. You want to get on this clout? The the OG Ananobi to Grizzlies uh, rumor. Man, it is zeitgeist. It is. Know, it like, is like it's like its own little universe. Well, right I now. I'm curious, like what it means that it is be like literally everyone and their mother is talking about. Well, you know, the Grizzlies, they could go get OG Ananobi. Yes. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Like, everyone is talking about it. It's not like, it's not even a rumor as much as it's just like, this is part of the trade deadline now. You you know, one of the key, you, you, if there's three key points to the trade deadline, it's uh, one of them is OG Ananobi and the, and the Grizzlies. Um, but we have a report today from Michael Grange, who is a, um, works for Sportsnet. He's like the Raptors beat. TV reporter for like the big Toronto sports station. So like he's like fish adjacent. Yes, okay. this is kind of like yeah. I think I, that's a good equivalent maybe. Or he's you know I don't know if he because he doesn't he's not like a team broadcaster. He's like I oh, think okay. independent. The, they're so big that their TV deal, their TV, their TV uh, affiliate is so big that they have their own. Yeah, they like have their own journalist beat. division. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. But yeah, news division. He's been covering like Toronto sports forever. Okay, I'm with you. And he wrote a story today, uh, or had a report today, basically outlining sort of the Raptors' mindset heading into the trade deadline. And it felt, I don't know, felt a lot like you know Masai Ujiri or someone adjacent to mm-hmm. him. Were, you know, fired off some. Okay, here's what we want out there. Because yeah. um, basically, it said. Not only is that report about the three first-round draft picks for OG Ananobi true, it's widely believed, that was the phrase used, that it's the Knicks offering three first-round draft picks to trade for OG Ananobi. Also mentioned Gary Trent. You know, they might be open to trading Gary Trent Jr., and it could t- it, you could do it for like a late first or a couple you know a couple good seconds maybe mm. um he'd be a true rental sort of because he has a player option for next year and people seem to think he'll make more 
than the player option if he goes on the open market. So I I I say all that to present this buy sell sure to go to Reddit, Jeffrey. The Grizzlies should trade multiple picks and or Dylan Brooks to go get OG Ananobi. Buy sell sure to go to Reddit. Number, I need num you gotta define multiple. Two. Two or more. If this report is true, it's gonna take three. Two and a player. So two and a player. And or I said and like whatever you got to if Dylan Brooks and multiple that, that, draft that, picks have to be involved that that's a very listen I'm only here to make you better mm-hmm. that's a terrible buy so short to go okay. to Reddit there's too much it's too much you got to sit there and go this is the deal I find multiple draft picks no no Dylan Brooks even involved Grizzlies should trade multiple draft picks to go get OG Ananobi all right it's still you're still not understanding like you got to sit there and go what is the deal is it Two players, a pick. Is it two first? All right, fine. A player. We'll go with since the the report is that the Knicks deal is is three, three fir- draft picks. The Grizzlies should trade three first round draft picks to go get Angie, OG Ananobi. Okay, finally I got what I wanted. Uh, sell. <laughs> I'm dead serious, y'all. OG Ananobi is a nice player. We all should pray to have his agent one day. Because the OG Ananobi conversation versus production is a very, very outweighted balance right now. So I looked this up today, Jeffrey. I was Are people aware he's getting worse defensively every year? What's interesting to How me How much of this if Dylan if Dylan would have had if Dylan would just be shooting 40% right now, how how intense if is If he was shooting, here's what's hilarious, not hilarious, here's what's interesting to me. Dylan is currently shooting 31.8% from three this year. Which not I good. think is close to a career low. It's not good, and it's at the, you know, we're in the midst of like a pretty bad, for even for him, a bad shooting spell. Okay? Correct. OG Ananobi this year is shooting... from three-point range. So a 5% difference. Isn't that like one made three-pointer a game better? Basically. Right? So there's that. And then when you look, I I just look at these, these, if you really look, dig deep into the statistics, I think OG Ananobi, there, there is a legitimate argument that he's a better player than Dylan Brooks. I think that's a legitimate argument to make. I don't think they're that much. This is where I'd push back. I think there's a legitimate an obvious case to make, he's a more efficient scorer. I don't like when people say better player. Mm-hmm. There's two sides of the floor. Well, even on offense, I find this really interesting. Toronto has a better offensive rating, slightly better, when he's off the court than on the court. One more time. They have a slightly better offensive rating, mm-hmm. the Raptors, when he's off the floor, when compared to when he's on the floor. And isn't the reason you're making this trade like they're they're at they're like basically a wash on defense. They're both really good on defense it appears. The reason you're doing this is because I don't think you think OG, OG I do not think I see this is where I disagree with people. Maybe OG's defensive numbers say that they are equivalent. If you look at OG's body type, he cannot cover the the different types of offensive players that I don't Dylan know. I think can. he can. I think that's the that is his one strength, or not one. The, like the real advantage he has over Dylan is that he's more versatile. To than me, Dylan. when I look at it, I see but Dylan's pretty versatile. 
to me, when I look at OG, I see mega DeAnthony Elton, Melton, which is like havoc creator, steals, whatnot, but like he can get burned. Yeah, I mean, he's 6'7", 232. Dylan is 6'7", 225. He weighs more than Dylan, and he's like kind of longer and a little more athletic. I, I, I think... I think he he causes more havoc for sure. I think one on one defensively, like if you're putting who's in the post against LeBron, I think I'd rather have Dylan in the post against LeBron, or like I'd rather have Dylan covering Steph Curry. To me, potentially. The, to me, the argument for OG Ananobi is this: you are going to have a much easier time getting him to be the fourth cog, yeah, if you will. That's true. Now, I also would point this out. If you bring in OG, you have to get rid of Dylan. Like I'm sorry, I think that is a disaster waiting to happen if you try to do if you try to thread that needle. Well, and interestingly enough, now again, these 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 stats, you know, it depends who you're playing with obviously. The Grizzlies are almost he the Grizzlies are like almost 4 points better in offensive rating per 100. It's like four points per 100 possessions yeah. better when Dylan's on the floor when compared to off it, as, be, as inefficient as he is. Now, again, it, you know, he's with Ja a lot. Yeah. So, like, that obviously um, helps. Whereas, but, like, OGN, like, that Raptors team, you know, it's not chopped liver. I know they're not, they've been underperforming, but um, I don't know. I don't think it's enough of an I'm, I'm – I guess, I'm selling as well. I guess because I really struggle is there is this view that OG Ananobi is like this perfect fit and fixes every problem the Grizzlies have. I think if you believe that, like you are literally setting yourself up for Jeff Green 2.0. I think if you told me I could get him for like Danny Green's expiring in a first round pick, I would 100% do it. But it sounds like that you're not. That's not realistic. I would, you know, like I. Or it certainly sounds like Toronto doesn't want I'd that. I'd maybe be think about it if it was maybe if it was Dylan in a first round pick. I one first round pick maybe because you get more. You know, you Garrett, you have him for next. You know, a couple years on an affordable deal. But like, still, I'd think long and hard about that. But it sounds like that. Like, I don't think Dylan is like that attractive a piece for Toronto because he's just another player like OG Ananobi. And they're not going to keep him beyond this season. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not. Well, I mean, then the argument would be, though, could you bring in another team to make the deal happen? Because yeah. Dylan, Dylan is attractive to another I, team. I do agree sure. with you. If you're Toronto, you're sitting there going, well, if I'm taking an expiring, like, I want a big expiring. I don't want. Yeah. I don't want a $15 million expiring. Yeah. And then, and to your point, I think you're right. I think bringing in OG Ananobi would, uh, with Dylan still here, I'm not saying it couldn't work, but it would be a risk. And it would be again, a lot of when I when people I hear people talking about this trade deadline, I want to make sure everyone is also thinking about what does this front office actually do? We've had the, you know, they've been in place for like almost 4 years now. They have habits and tendencies. And like a lot of the talk surrounding the trade deadline is basically saying this front office is going to completely change the way it's operated in the past I also, and do this. I also and it's like, I don't know, that doesn't seem right to me. It I, doesn't seem like that. that's what this front office would do. I also think it ignores a reality of life. The one deal that, that Zach Kleiman and this front office have made where they clearly lost mm-hmm. was the Justice Winslow deal at the deadline. Yeah. And... If you don't think that that doesn't affect people, 
when you sit there and you go, I've had a lot of success, all of a sudden that's one of the one of the examples where I didn't have success. I think that very much would weigh in the back of your mind. And further, are we sure that are we sure that adding a player like this is a hundred percent better than taking, you know, another what, three swings at the in the twenties? I mean, right now the Grizzlies, the certainly the Grizzlies' second most popular player. I think it's debatable whether or not he's your second best player. I still think Jaron Jackson's their second best player, and I'll go to mm-hmm. the grave defending that. Yeah, just because of what he has asked he to is. do. But certainly, I think it's undeniable. The second most popular player is Desmond. Yeah, that's fair. I don't. Yeah, that probably. I think he's. I'm telling you, amongst. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I think you're right. Amongst people that have been watching this franchise and have never seen like a guy get on the floor and just you assume it's going in. Like that's a special. I think you're right. I think you're right. It's close, but you're right. They got the guy thirty. Mm-hmm. I think I think you would I think you would rather take your chances with this front office having three swings in the twenties. Yeah, I just think there's I just think when when you got those first round picks, like I just always imagine them being used on something more than like a Dylan replacement, if that makes sense. Like I, I, it just that's that's how I sort of look now maybe. Again, you look at it and you go, we're not going to resign Dylan, and and this could be a way to do it. And, you know, maybe you think he's better than Dylan. I, I actually think, though, that franchise has a much higher view of Dylan than the fan base does. Like, I don't think the inner the the people who make the decisions over there, whether it's on the coaching staff or in so the front office, I guess, I guess this is how I would view feel. him the same way the general public does. This is how I feel comfortable making that statement because I kind of agree with the the – the idea, but the way that I would say it is, I certainly believe the coaching staff values Dylan more mm-hmm. than yeah. the fan base fan base does. It's still a little unclear to me how the front office feels. But I do think it's very obvious to me the coaching staff the coaching staff puts up with a lot for Dylan and they still keep trotting him back out there. Yeah. I mean he does he does uh, and I you know ultimately like do you, you know do the players want their, you know, do you want to disrupt what you've got in that locker room? Well, that, I, no, I go, if I, you make a trade like this, even whether it's with Dylan or without Dylan, it is going to disrupt what's going on in that locker room. And and I, I, put, I put some stock into, you know, maybe is this group ready for that? You know, like ultimately, like can they handle that? I don't know. Maybe. We can debate this topic till we're blue in the face. Mm-hmm. Here's one thing I do believe is 100% true, and I know it's not Tell the Truth Tuesday, but forgive me. It's Tuesday somewhere. Mm-hmm. This team is not trading Dylan until Josh says trade Dylan. Mm, yeah. If 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 Ja ultimately puts his foot down and says, like, I don't want Dylan gone, they can't do it. Correct. You're right. I think you're right. Correct. Now, if he's indifferent, I don't think Ja's ever going to say, like, we need to get – like, especially right now, he's not going to say, like, I want Dylan out of here. It seems like he likes Dylan. It seems like a lot those players on that team respect what Dylan Brooks brings to the table. Agreed. Um, I think it's also fair to say the team's view of Dylan is higher than the fan base's view. Yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah, if Jaws in, but if Ja puts his foot down, I don't think you could do it, right? You couldn't do it. No. Now the question is, will Ja put his I don't foot think, down yeah, and I get rid of him? I agree with you. I don't. He, think that he could be indifferent, though. Correct. Ultimately, he could, you know, not stand now, in the way. And of I it. also think Say, it, he, you know, like he's tight with Anthony Melton. He did not stand in the way of that deal going down. Well, there's no question. Or uh, 
uh, Grayson. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize that Grayson was like one of his closest friends on the team. Well, they, were, they played video games yes. together. They're, and it's, it's They're the, gamers together. It's the bond that ties, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, but for me, though, there is also an argument to be made. Part of the front office role is getting <clears> – it's figuring out a way to get guys to go along with what your vision is, even if maybe they're not on board. Yeah. While yeah. I think some of the coverage of Bob Myers can be insufferable, mm-hmm. I do think that's like an awesome skill he has is getting everybody to be here's what we're doing. Even if it's like, you know, if it's getting rid of Iguodala. Yeah. And getting everyone to, you know, it didn't tear him apart or anything. Yeah. Like, I do think that's a I think no, that's and a like skill. it sounds like he's got like, you know, him and Steph are real yes. tight, you know, and it's like, yeah. So um all right, should we go, should we do Tom Brady or should we save him for the list? Let's save him for the list. All right. Let's get to Cobb. Let's talk to David Cobb. He covers college football and college basketball for CBSSports.com. David Cobb will join us next. You're listening to the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. David Cobb covers college football and basketball for CBS Sports. Former Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. He's on Twitter at David W. Cobb. Cobb, how's the weather in Hattiesburg? Oh, uh, update, Jeffrey. Uh, okay. We are now in Cranberry, New Jersey. Oh, where, wow. That is rage, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not bad up here. I, I was talking to my mom. I've earlier. been there. I've been to Cranberry, New Jersey. Is this Jersey. southern or northern New Jersey? Or central, uh, I guess. Central. I guess it's smack dab, yeah, in the middle. Yeah, kind of halfway between Philly and New York City. So, actually, oddly enough, went up to Fairleigh Dickinson University yesterday to uh, work on a little feature story that's coming. And then uh, have been to uh, Manhattan uh, twice already. And uh, have not been to Philly yet. But, you know, uh, we'll get over there eventually. How is the uh, Chick Fil A scene up there? Well, you know that's why we're here. It's uh, growing. It's a growing. It's a, oh, there's an opportunity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Uh, Aggressive expansion. If you happen to find yourself on the New Jersey Turnpike at the Molly Pitcher exit there in go. the next few weeks, yeah. you know, oh, hello. <laughs> I know where in. that is. Come on in, say hello. <laughs> I know where that is. Well, well. Cobb, now that you're you're basically a it's new- expanding, I love the great answer. The Cobb can do PR for Chick Fil A. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm curious your thoughts on uh, the Memphis basketball team at this moment in time. They're they're all. Off- well, hold on. Before we get to the Tigers, oh, okay. let's ask let's ask Cobb's opinion because Mark and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Would you do a deal for OG and an Obi? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, what do you have to give up? Because some of the all right. Uh, so I'll I'll say this: you got to give up. Three firsts at the minimum. Let's say three firsts at the minimum because that seems to be what they're at least floating is the best offer right now. Yeah, that seems like a, like a hefty price to me. Okay. I don't know the details of his contract, but as a player, I think he would help because, man, you know what? I watched Kyle Anderson torch the Grizzlies the other night. And I was like, that was a tough. Man. That was a tough watch. Yeah, that was, was a tough like, Friday night because he was just giving us the business. Yeah, and with everything else like, that was going correct. on too. I was like, man, that length and that versatility. Grizzlies kind of missed that. Like, you know, I watched Zaire Williams have a rough game the other night. I, I forget which game it was. but It's been a lot of but, Yeah, and I'm just like, uh The real bad one was, uh, what was before the Golden game? Golden State. Yeah. It was the Golden, Golden State yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, it was yeah, bad was, was, and then yeah. gave up the game-winning basket. Yeah, you know, OG and is that long, rangy, athletic wing that they hope Justice Swinslow would be. I, I, OG Ananobi is. I think probably what they thought Justice Winslow would be. So maybe it makes sense. Right. Yeah. 
Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm of the opinion he's closer to Jeff Green 2.0, that everyone's mm. talked themselves into this is a perfect fit because it makes all this sense. And he's – I will say this. I think he would be more agreeable to be like your fourth cog or your you – know, yeah, your fourth, co- your fourth cog probably than maybe Dylan is. But I still think Dylan brings value. And that's a lot to give up for what I'm not sure is a massive upgrade. Yeah. You know, I always flash back to Mark used to say it on our, on our CA Grizzlies podcast all the time. Like, Dylan Brooks is who you want as your sixth man on a playoff team. And I feel like that's been proven true. Like, when I watch the Grizzlies, I'm like, you know what? Like, Dylan Brooks needs to be a sixth man. Anyway, uh, shout out to you, Mark. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm fine with him being a starter, you know, and if he has it, you play him late. And if he doesn't, it's, you don't. It's the, the, the real way we should say it is he should never be more than your fourth leading shot taker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if he's accepted yeah, that. Yeah, that. I, I, totally. But at the same time, I, I'm of the opinion I would go. I I am. I think OG Ananobi is a good idea. I just think the price to me would. I want the price to be right because I I think you are taking some risk doing it at the trade deadline with the way this locker room works, and so I would want to make sure the price is right. I wouldn't go up to three. I wouldn't basically. Empty out my war chest. That's yeah. what you're basically asking the Grizzlies to do. If, if it takes three first to get OG and Anobi, your surplus. This is least, the move. Yeah. This is the move. We, you know, we've been taught. We've talked about in the past. Like they got a, They got these assets to make a move. This would then be the move. And I like. I don't know. I'm not that excited about OG and Anobi being the move for this team. Ultimately, like to empty out the war chest for that. Now, if you're telling me I got to give away one, you know, then like let's have a conversation. Like you know. Danny Green's contract, or maybe Dylan, like then I can maybe have a conversation. But well, like three first picks. round picks, it's hard to part with three first round picks when you know how good the Grizzlies are at drafting. Bingo. Yeah, <laughs> you know they value them more than uh, most teams probably do. And this is a good draft, in my opinion. I don't know what you know the the, the draft writers say, but having watched a lot of college basketball, uh, I believe this is a good draft. I think you can get value all the way down through the first round. In this draft, and I don't know what, what year the picks would be that they'd be sending out hypothetically, but I think the Grizzlies can get help from the 2023 NBA draft. Okay, um, let's talk some college basketball. I want to get your thoughts on the Tigers real quick, and then we'll expand out nationally. Um, Memphis on a five-game winning streak; um, they are comfortably in the field. I guess you would say yeah, they're certainly they're not on the the very edge of the bubble anymore. They they they, they're either it an eight, like a nine, the worst or ten. Case scenario, they are on the right side of the bubble comfortably. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're probably one bad loss away from being right back on the bubble, but still, they're certainly in a better spot than they were a few weeks ago. Um, and I'm curious, do you think, David, they can get higher? They can get a better seed than what they had last year, which was an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. Do you think, like? Do you think not only can't not only can they do it, will they do it? Like, will, do you imagine this team playing its way into a position where it can be like a six or a seven seed, which would probably they have nine games left, two against Houston. Um, yeah. What 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 do you foresee for this this group? I guess when all said and done on Selection Sunday. Yeah, I think they can improve it a little bit if they split with Houston, and and I think that's a. a high possibility of that happening. Houston's shown its flaws a little bit recently, and I don't know if it's boredom with the AAC or what, but they've struggled against teams like South Florida. They lost at home to Temple. They they end up in a dogfight 
with Cincinnati. And so the Fertitta Center has not been an excellent home court advantage for them this year in the sense of that's where both of their losses have come. And they've also played some inferior opponents way too close for, for comfort there as well. So I do think Memphis is capable of beating Houston. Uh, and I would almost anticipate a, a split in that series this season because of what I've seen from Houston as of late. So that win is, is that, as always, that marquee victory you're chasing uh, there. But thankfully this year it's not make or break in terms of your tournament chances. But it would be nice not to have to play a number one seed in the second round of the NCAA tournament. So in that sense, I think Memphis would have to split with Houston, right, and maybe only pick up one other loss somewhere along the way uh, in the regular season, and then we'll see what happens in the conference tournament. Yes. And the way they're playing, they're taking care of business. Like I, I watched that Houston game on – or not the Houston game, but the uh, the Memphis-Tulsa game on Sunday. You know, and, and early in that second half, I'm like, oh, boy, like let's let's pop some popcorn because this is about to get real interesting. And then you look up and, and they're they're running away with it and they're making the plays and making the shots. And so there's just that level of comfort and confidence that Memphis is going to take care of business this year. Yeah, I, if you ha- if you want to have a criticism, I think the criticism would be it feels like it takes them a little too long to get Kendrick going. But I also think it's entirely reasonable to say Kendrick had 11 shots in the first half and he had 11 shots in the second half. Maybe the difference was Kendrick just made him in the second half because he went three for 11 in the first half, and all of a sudden, you know, it's nip and tuck, like you said. And in the second half, he goes seven for 11, hits a couple threes, and then all of a sudden they're pulling away. And it's also important to note, DeAndre got in foul trouble immediately in the first half, and in the second half he stayed out of foul trouble, and you had both of them on the floor, and then all of a sudden they put him away. Yeah, amazing how DeAndre Williams staying out of foul trouble. Yeah, we got we got a foul tr- uh, problem, uh, a foul issue in Memphis with Jaron Jackson Jr. and DeAndre Williams. And I thought Jaron had fixed his. I knew DeAndre hadn't. <laughs> like I, I was <laughs> like in the end, there was like two games in a row where DeAndre didn't like get to four, and you're like, oh, he's doing better. It's like, ah, eh, this feels like fool's gold. No. Jaron, I did think was getting better. The problem is, I, Mark's point is Deon or uh, uh, Jaron. Jaron, but uh, it's uh, Draymond. Mortimer. Yeah, Draymond gets in Jaron's head, and then like that leaks over. I think for Draymond games. goes in the game going. One of my main goals in the first quarter is to get Jaron Jackson Jr. in foul trouble. <laughs> and I, I think I think it's smart. I, and I think it's he has a very high batting average. Yeah, it's it's smart. Um, Those guys need to go to the Zach Ed clinic on how not to foul and uh, to just learn from him on, on how to go straight up sometimes. I know I know, Jaron is a great shot blocker, but not every opponent's attempt is a, is a chance to block a shot. And then with DeAndre Williams, it's just like a, sometimes it's like a lack of Jaron's been pretty good about it, by and large. There's been some key moments where he's gotten in foul trouble, and but I, by and large, he's been pretty good. I also good. think Jaron showed a lot of frustration during that losing streak. Yeah, like to me, well, I think he's an emotions on his sleeve type. of I player. think where Jaron gets the really bad fouls are when he he's has a bad, like it's a bad offensive possession that turns into a, a defensive possession where he just does something like completely just loses his mind. DeAndre just uh, he's just well, not. I'm convinced. I don't ability. know how. I don't know when this Memphis season is going to end. I could see them making a run to the second weekend of the tournament if things break right. But I know this: the game they lose in the NCAA tournament, my gut tells me. <laughs> DeAndre Williams is going to be in foul trouble. That's going to be part of the story of them losing the game, unfortunately. But I could see them, you know, I could see them bypassing that and winning some games in the tournament. I just think ultimately when push comes to shove, 
when we talk about the game they lose, we're going to go, man, if DeAndre just hadn't gotten in foul trouble. Well, Cobb, you're a good person <laughs> to ask this because you, you have the perspective of watching both teams. So, Calkins this morning asked John if he would want to see, if he would want Memphis to see Tennessee in a second round tournament game. My first instinct yes. was yes, yes, because if I'm Memphis, that's a beatable one seed. A team that doesn't score efficiently, mm-hmm. or you're telling me Tennessee and Memphis are going to be in like a correct. low 60s dogfight? I'd sign up for that. And then I, on, they might not win it again, but they'd well, have a good shot. Tennessee's a one seed or whatever. Yeah. Let's say they're even a two in this. Like it's a, either a one eight game or a, a, a two seven game or two ten game, whatever. However you want to do it. If I'm if I'm Memphis, I feel pretty good because not only does Tennessee not score very well, I think I'll have the best guard on the floor. Yeah, At least no, college basketball, maybe not pro prospect, mm-hmm. but I got the best college basketball guard on the floor. Yo, I would love that matchup. Zakai Ziegler versus uh, Kendrick Davis, the two sub six footers going at it. Like that's that's my dream guard matchup right there. And and that would be just just an unbelievable game because of everything that would be at stake beyond just. Uh, the, the tournament and the rivalry. Ironically, though, as of today, the way Jerry Palm has it at CBS is that Memphis would play Alabama in a. I do not A-1. like that matchup. I know, I know, I know they've already Memphis, seen it once, but I'm telling you, oh boy. But, I, but Memphis played Alabama really close on the road. Now you rematch on a neutral. Uh, I think that that game. I mean, you're you're probably only a, a three or four point underdog as a as an eight seed going against a one in, in that scenario. Uh, yeah. So here's why I don't like it. I know we've already seen it. The final score was closer than that game was. Well, it was a game where Kendrick played awesome. And if you've watched Bama this year, like, I'm not saying Bama played its worst game of the season. No, they but still they, put up in the They're still scored in the 90s, yeah. But they also didn't play the, They didn't play great no, by their They standards. did not play like they did against Oklahoma. No. But they did they not play like they did last night. Like <laughs> Vanderbilt either. Um, well, because last week, Cobb, you were when I asked you about Tennessee and Alabama, you were clearly much more, much higher on Bama. But that was before the Oklahoma game. Um, where, where are you at? On like Tennessee is now overtaken Houston, number one Ken Palm. What, mm-hmm. uh, what do you make of uh, that that race for the SEC title now? Still, I still was, with pro Bama. Yeah, I was reassured of that view last night when Alabama just beat the brakes off of Vanderbilt. Like, that was Alabama football versus Vanderbilt. Like, that was just downright. Vanderbilt fell 14 spots in the net last night off well, that to, Cobb, to, Cobb, to Cobb's <laughs> analogy, I don't remember what year it was, like 16 or 17. Remember when Vanderbilt was like 2 or 3-0 and and they hosted Alabama on CBS to, like, mm-hmm. kick off the year, and it was like 60 to nothing at halftime? That's yeah. what it felt like, yeah. Yeah, Alabama's fine. Alabama, the, the Oklahoma lost for Alabama, to me, is an anomaly. Because they were bad defensively and bad offensively in the same game, which I think is going to be super rare and not going to happen again. But Tennessee, I mean, you can almost count on them being bad offensively at least half the time. Uh, I just don't trust Tennessee to, to not go through these long scoring droughts. Uh, and that just comes back to haunt you in, in single elimination formats like that. I mean, I guess the one thing they have on Alabama is, is experience. They're not nearly as reliant on freshmen as Alabama. And come tournament time, that does make a difference, but if we're betting on the SEC regular season champion, I'm still going Alabama, even though they only played Tennessee once, and it's in Knoxville. So Tennessee has a huge advantage there, but I, I just think Alabama, I still 
I mean, in my mind, I might pick them today, you know, as, as national champion. You know, something I was thinking about the other day, I, I know we're a long way away from this, but do you think the way that Tennessee got bounced last year, it maybe makes Rick Barnes think twice about going all out and trying to win the conference tourney? Great point. I mean, there, there's only limited value in that because it didn't help him. No, on the it didn't. It didn't change. It didn't really. It, I think we've now gotten to the point where the value of the conference tournament is if you screw up during the year, it's a mulligan. But I think what they've clearly said is if you're depending on the conference tournament, like giving yourself two or three maybe extra wins to improve your standing, that's just not how they've been valuing it recently. Yeah, you know, that that strikes me as, like, a, an emerging philosophy that's probably going to spread more through, like, the younger ranks of coaches. Like, I would yeah. expect Nate Oates to, to adopt the, eh, uh, only go 80% in the conference tournament philosophy. But for the old school guys, the old guard, the Rick Barnes. That's a banner, guard, baby. Yeah, exactly. And those, dude, you, you, you know it from being around the Tigers so much, but, like, a regular season title, a conference tournament title, those things mean something to, to the coaching staffs. Like, they really do, and they mean something to the players, too. And you don't really pick up on that as much watching it at, on TV as you do when you're actually around them in those moments. Um, and that, that's something that they take pride in and hang their hat on because at the end of the day, there's only one person who's going to win the natty. Uh, but, but you can win a conference tournament. You can be competitive for that in a regular season title year in and year out. And I think that's something that, that Rick Barnes really prioritizes. So, they shouldn't as much because if you play on Sunday in the conference tournament and then you got to turn around and, and play Thursday and Saturday single elimination again, I mean, that's, that's a tall ask. I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to start figuring out which coaching staffs have bonuses. Because I agree with you. I yeah. think there's a big value for winning a, a regular season title. Like, you mm. go in 18 games, you win that. I got to tip my cap. That's versus, you know, four games. I've or never quite understood that. Yeah, actually, you're right. It's like, I feel like there is. There is more value in winning Way the regular more. season It's title. just how we think. Like, in American sports, it's like, pfft, you can't get a trophy. Like That's all that matters, and like, I'm fine with that. Like I think that's stupidly way, too. But we need to start doing research. we got to figure out which coaching staffs get bonuses for uh, tourneys, yeah. conference tourneys. Yeah. Well, the other end of the spectrum is Ole Miss and Kermit Davis. No! Don't stop! You won again last night, yes. didn't you? Against Kentucky. And Cobb, I got to double down at half. Because <laughs> it was tied. Like it was I was sitting there, I was like, there's no way almost well, scores sixty two or sixty four well, here. I was like, let's well, go. Jeffrey, you've been telling me Kermit is likely not gonna make it no, through this. No, no, no. We need to extend him. But did you hear did I, I think there you've got bad news. He got the John Calipari. Yes, like, I saw this last night. The booth. This usually Nobody means does you a are job. Yeah. Know, this usually means you are getting fired. Like Or the last time I remember Calipari Cal- doesn't save jobs. He ends up ultimately being like the signal to the AD, okay, it's time to bury him. Well, the last <laughs> when time he starts I, supporting you. The last time I remember Cal going to bat for the old miss coach was at the peak of the Tad Pad era, uh, where he came into the press conference. He's like, we got rats running in here at Tad Smith Coliseum trying to get Andy a new building. Um, well, I t- here's what Cal Perry yeah, this said was, last this night. This is not good. I told Kermit after. They're in every game they play. Uh, they just need to bust out in one game. They've got the shooters, the big guys. They're right on the cusp. Real oh, coaching gets done when this kind of stuff goes on, all the noise. This is. 